All right. <clears throat> well, so this is just a little bit of fun here. Um, if you want to, if you want to participate in today's uh, interactive portion of the service, go to minty.com and type in that code up there, and you can uh, you can vote here, right? On what if you don't have a machine, what's the best pet in your opinion? Dogs. You know, your dogs are friendlier. Cats are smarter. <laughs> yeah, right? That's pretty funny. Nobody's voting yet. Oh, this slide is not active. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. That's oh, Janelle's getting back there to click on it for us. This I don't know what in the world happened there. There. There we go. Thank you, ma'am. So, hey, welcome to today, everybody. There we go. There, dogs are winning. Fish. <laughs> that, that dog is here, right? Right. Okay, let, let, me, let me try something here while you're voting. Oh, there we go. Oh, this is what I wanted to do. This is what I wanted to do. So, so in two weeks' time, two weeks' time, guys, we're starting a sermon series during Lent called Seven Essential Questions. Um, now, I would encourage you to invite your friends to this and your family to this. Everybody's got questions. One of the questions during one of the weeks is, what about suffering? Where's God in suffering? Another question is, who is Jesus and, and where's God? Those sort of things. So if you know, you know what? 80% of people would come to church if a friend asked them to come or a family member asked them to come. 2% of people invite their families who, are, who, oops, who, who would say, so invite somebody. If you want to come, they won't hate you. Invite someone. That's coming in two weeks. Okay, this way, it looks like doggy are ahead. Yeah, yeah. You, you can tell my opinion of cat because of the, <laughs> the diabolical... <laughs> In any way, okay, so there's that. <clears throat> so how many times have you forgotten something and had to go back for it, right? How many times have you forgotten something and had to go back for it? Like a couple of weeks ago, I was early morning going to the gym, right? And my gym says you have to have clean gym shoes or you can't come in. It's like, oh, so I had to turn back around, you know, illegal U-turn, go back, added added five to ten minutes into my morning, that I didn't want to spare to go get my, my gym shoes, you know, added five minutes, ten minutes, and I was, I was grousing about it. Imagine if it added six days to my trip. Imagine if it added six days. It must be mighty important to add six days to a trip to go back and get that thing, whatever that thing is, right? Six days. Well, welcome to the thing. Anger is that thing. Jesus talks about that thing. Jesus says in Matthew 21, 5, 21 through 26 about what is so important. Not letting anger destroy you. Not letting anger destroy me. Make friends reconcile. Okay? So that's it. That's where we're going today. So here's the main point today, everybody. Jesus tells us that anger will make our lives a living hell. Unchecked anger will make our lives a living hell and that we must reconcile to others, especially our enemies. And I tell you, I'm not preaching at you. I am preaching at me. 
because this is all for me today, okay? This one's all for me. Jesus tells us, make friends, be reconciled, and anger can make your life a living hell if you're not going to take care of it. So, here we are, Matthew 5. You can turn there in your Bible if you brought it, but we're staying on our Sermon on the Mount series. Matthew 5, 21-26. This is Jesus saying, You've heard it said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But if I say to you, I'm sorry, but I say to you that if you are a sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the Gehenna of fire. Now, I'll tell you what that means in a bit. Because your Bible probably says hell. And that's misleading. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember, when you're offering your gift at the altar, you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms with your accuser while you're in court with him or her, or your accuser may give you over to the judge, and the judge is hard, and you will be thrown into pokey. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Okay, man, that weighs about 16 pounds. Oh, another day older and deeper in debt. I don't know. That weighs all, that's some heavy stuff. Right there. Okay. Is this cutting in and out? Is, it, is, is that just me? Okay, that's not me. Okay. Now, so let me give you a little bit of textual background, guys. In this section on the Sermon on the Mount, this is number one of five, you've heard it said, but I say to you people, You've heard it said to old-timers, but I'm going to tell you this. And when Jesus meant old-timers, he meant old-timers. Like thousand-year-ago old-timers. This, the first one is don't murder. right? You've heard it said don't murder. You've heard it said don't, don't have adultery. You've heard it said not to swear by God. You know, judicial revenge. And you've heard it said that you can hate your enemies. Whoops, I've got a parenthesis. Oh, well. Now, you've heard it said... But I say to you, you've heard it said, I say to you, this is number one of five. Now, I could stand up here for the next three and a half hours talking about how fun these are. Well, not fun, how hard and heavy weight and impacting these are to our lives. But you would all fall asleep or walk out on me. Besides, we smelled the pancakes, right? You'd be like, whatever, I'm eating pancakes. I'm just going to stick with number one, murder. Murder, murder, murder. Because these five are connected to the Beatitudes. Have you ever connect? Right? Two weeks ago, we did Beat, three weeks ago, we did Beatitudes. Blessed are. Blessed are. These explain the blessed are's. Okay? What do you mean, Aaron? Well, look at number one. Jesus said, you, you murder, but I say to you, don't even be angry at somebody. Well, blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit don't murder people. Yeah, go figure. Blessed are those who are meek. Meek people don't murder people. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall see God. Peacemakers don't murder people. What do they do instead? They make friends and reconcile. You see, all of these are explanations of the, of the, 
of, of the Beatitudes. Number two is the adultery, you know. Don't get busy with somebody you're not married to. Right? right? Jesus said, I tell you, don't even look at them that way. Which is hard in a country, in a culture where there's like softcore porn pouring out of everything around you. Right? Don't even look that way. But Jesus said, the pure, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed, pure in heart people won't have that wandering eye. You know what I mean? See, so these are explanations. These are flushing out of the blessed R's. Blessed are. And so you can just go through these next five ones in, in chapter 5 and see just how Jesus is, is doing this, connecting all of these. We, we, we so often get hung up on the details we don't see the connections, the wider connections of what Jesus is doing here on this Sermon on the Mount text, this piece that Matthew is recording for us here. I mean, this thing is awesome. Now, the details are great, too. We're going to talk details, but, but also pull yourself back and see this larger connectivity in what Jesus is doing with us. We need to see the big picture stuff. So while we're at big picture ideas, everybody, we understand this, and I talked about this out, at, out at, uh, in our hard questions discussion group. We have to think about the story and the bigger picture all the time when we're reading or thinking about any of this. What was Jesus' mission? Jesus wasn't a guru of truths to give us something to believe because that old law was just too hard. Jesus was the pinnacle of the, the promises to Israel. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. Jesus was the, the, the bringing together of all that God had promised, right? That Old Testament stuff, that's not garbage. That's, that's God breathed, right? And so Jesus says, I haven't come to cast it aside. I've come to fulfill it. And he, what did he come to do? He came to redeem all creation and you and me and to defeat evil and death. We all know the world's got problems, right? That's, I mean, that's why we start ministries. We know that the world has problems. God comes in Jesus to fix what has gone wrong to partner with Israel, to partner with Israel, to bring redemption, to be Israel is a place where God resides. And you and me, since we're, we're grafted into the vine of Israel, can we say that God resides in us as a church? I hope so. I hope God tabernacles with us. The Shekinah, the burning presence of God in us. This is important stuff, yeah? Oh, just a couple weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus said, you know, well, let me see if I've got a better exp- Yeah, no, no, that's it. We'll just leave it right there. Jesus says to Israel, hey, y'all, you need to be light and salt. Remember, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Y'all need to be light and salt. You've forgotten where you're going. You've forgotten to do your job. Israel had a job description, didn't they? To bring the presence of God to the world to be a blessing. They're doing none of it. They turned inward. They turned angry. They turned complaining. They turned selfish. And oh God, I know we don't do that, do we? <laughs> Church folk are never that way, so we'll just say, oh, those poor Israelites. God have mercy. They forgot to be salt and light. And Jesus says, you all better be salt and light. You all better pick up that redemption plan that God had in mind. Okay. Now, like I said, we can, 
How, how does that look? How does, it, how does it look to be gloriously human? How does it look to be partners with God? Well, let's just start at number one. Don't kill nobody. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Anyway, let's, let's look at number one. Like I said, I could talk about all five, but I'm just going to talk about one. You guys and I know the, the world has an anger and a violence problem. Right? We, we, love, we love violence. I don't know why. Of anger. All the hero movies you see, are all the hero novels you read are not about people self-sacrificing so much as they are people kicking butt and taking names. Right? You know, we, we glorify violence and, and anger in our, you know, we talk about people, how they are tough because they can beat somebody up. And, you know, we're rude to other people, right? We, we see violence happen in the streets. and This world has an anger and a violence problem coming a little closer to home. Some of us get angry at, at each other. Out on 52, we honk and tailgate. Uh, at Walmart or Target, we, we get mad at people who are doing something that we think is not right. But see, in this whole anger and violence thing, Jesus says, guys, Listen, I've come to make, I've come to speak to the heart of you. I've come to speak to the heart of you, Aaron, because I know Aaron, that you have an anger and a violence problem too. Right? I'm a pacifist with a hot temper. <laughs> I'm a walking contradiction. Jesus says, Aaron, I got a, I got issue with what you got, and I'm gonna fix that for you. I'm gonna speak to the heart of you and your violence and your anger, and I'm gonna show you the way to be gloriously, beautifully human, the way God intended me to be, and the God, the way God intended you to be, not to steal you away to heaven, but to make you right on earth. Right? You hear some of that? Some people say they're so they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Jesus says, I'm going to make you earthly good, Aaron. I'm going to take, I'm going to take that anger thing you got out. And it's like weed in a garden. I'm going to pull out that Canadian thistle. The only problem is Canadian thistles, man, you almost have to use a nuclear bomb to get rid of those things. And, and, and so it just keeps coming back. And Jesus is like, dude, how many times am I going to pull this out of you? Sorry. <laughs> the world has an anger problem. And Jesus comes to say, church, follow me and be beautifully human. Be right the way you were meant to be. Right? Uh, just a, a quick aside. God didn't create us to be happy. He created us to be like Him. Right? Because making us happy often takes us off in a wrong direction. Right? So never, never get that confused. Being happy isn't the goal of life. Being responsible and being a, a, a good human and, and loving God and neighbor, that's Sometimes that doesn't make you happy, right? Like, like a mom. Man, moms are the most loving, giving people on planet Earth. Ladies, you amaze me. But I know you get sick and tired of socks on the floor. A husband saying to you, hey, I can't find that thing when it's in their hands. And all the women are like, that's you. <laughs> right? I saw a meme yesterday that said, my, Valentine, I mean, my, my Valentine's present would be my husband finding what he's looking for without asking for help. I take offense at that, 
but I recognize it may be true. My wife can find stuff that I just overlook. But you see, guys, okay, stupidness aside, God came to make us, Jesus came to make us fully human, the way we were meant to be, Garden of Eden style, you know? Right. And being right means getting rid of that anger and the violence problem, and that's where Jesus is going. Okay? So Jesus goes on here and he says, you've heard it said, don't murder. Right? So hey, <laughs> I beat him to a bloody pulp, but I didn't kill him. Right? I just winged him with my car, but I didn't kill him. Right? He's in a wheelchair, but he's not dead. I'm still good with God. <laughs> or I only winged him with my gun. Is it? He's going to be fine. He'll just know better next time. Jesus says, now I'm going to take it even further than that. I don't want you to even be angry at somebody. Because take care of it. I don't even want you to... Jesus is pushing this on here that because you know what? He says, don't even get near that level of anger in your life because you know what? When we're that angry, do we sleep well? How many nights have you stayed up fretting and worrying and angry and at somebody? Sometimes we get ulcers about that, don't we? It actually harms our health. When we, some people live on revenge. Some people live on revenge. Some, some people, you know, they, they just get so angry and, and they hold it and they just hold it and they become a cauldron of burning flames and anger and bitterness and their life is a bitter hell. And Jesus said, don't even go near that. Because when we feed anger and we, we're, you know, those of you who are fans of the Lord of the Rings series, we become like Gollum. When we, we used to be normal, we used to look normal, but now that we have that thing that we're holding on to, it changes us and shrivels us up and makes us bitter and angry and unrecognizable. My precious. Right? And anger spills over into abusive words. Abuse of yourself. Abuse of others. Anger spills over into violence in our schools and in our, in our neighborhoods and between, between nations. And when we, do, when, we, when we allow the garbage fires of Gehenna to burn within us, We ruin our lives and you belittle yourself. What's Gehenna? Your Bible, your English translation will say the hell of fire. But Gehenna isn't hell. Gehenna, you know this. Gehenna was that valley just outside of Jerusalem where they threw all the trash and they lit it on fire so it wouldn't smell and cause disease. It was always burning. So what Jesus is saying here, you'll be liable to the trash heap, always burning nasty trash dump of fire in your life. Oh, up above, he said, man, if you're going to be that angry, you're going to be liable to God. God's got you. Aaron, if you're going to be that angry, God's going to come for you. Right? If, if you, Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. Plainer day. So we know God's got that in. But this is for right, like right now. 
what is this, the 16th of February, 2020, Aaron, if you carry that, you're going to have a trash heap of burning fire in your life. Well done. God stands there doing the slow clap. Well done. But in Jesus, we can put those fires out and live a life. Don't belittle yourself, guys. Don't, don't make yourself less than you are because Jesus has put that stuff away. Put that stuff away. Now, you know the answer, right? Of course. The alternative here is two commands. Be reconciled with people and make friends. Sounds easy. But oh, how costly it is. Because when we reconcile with people, it means we climb down on a high horse. Ain't no high horses Jesus following land, okay? There are no high horses in discipleship. It means that I might have to say, I'm sorry. Or as Canadians say, sorry. It might mean that I have to say, you know what, I think I'm right, but I believe in something more, and so I'm going to come to you. It means giving up being right. Sometimes it's better to be kind than right. It means climbing down off that pillar where we think we're air and supreme and we're better. We're going to look down at people. Jesus says you better climb down off that horse and you better live down here with the rest of us folk. And you better reconcile to people. Okay? Now here's where the funny part. In, in verse 23, Jesus said, if you know somebody has something against you, You'll notice he didn't say if you have somebody against something, you know, something against somebody else. If somebody has something against you, leave your, leave your gift at the altar. What does that mean? Jesus is sitting up in Galilee, right? You know that, right? Jesus is sitting up in Galilee. Galilee is a three-day walk to Jerusalem. So Jesus says, if you walk three days, it sounds like Jeff Foxworthy, if you walk three if you walk three days down to Jerusalem and you buy your little dove getting ready to take it to the altar, and you're like, oh man, Hezekiah is angry at me up in Galilee, back home. Jesus says, leave your dove there, walk three days back. Make friends with Hezekiah and walk back three days. Six extra days walking hundreds of miles. That's how important this is. Even more important than worshiping God at this point. Worshiping God's very important. But at this point, Jesus said, you better make friends and reconcile before you even come before me. And church, I'm going to ask you today, did you come here today harboring anger to anybody? Do you know somebody has something against you? Why are you sitting here? Oh, come on, Jesus. No, no, really. Aaron, are you angry and bitter? Have you fixed it all before you come before me? And boy, did I need to hear this this week. Okay, God forgive me. And we need to live every day in this manner. Every day reconciling with those, with neighbor, brother, sister. And of course, the next one is that legal dispute thing. 
that legal dispute, you know, don't go to court, make friends, because you might lose. <laughs> Jesus is being real practical here. You might lose and you'll be thrown into pity where you have to pay back every single drop, every dime of it. Right now, make friends. Now, you're like, okay, we'll wind it up. Okay, there's pancakes coming. So let's get real about this. Well, I think we've been pretty real so far, but, but let's, let's get real with this. I believe, church, love our enemies is where we're going to see God in 2000. How about this century? The 2000s. I believe seeing God in our enemies is where the main question of this century, this 100 years. You know, back, back 500 years ago, Martin Luther, he's, his main question was, how can I find a kind of grace? Because the church at the time was all about rules and regulations and guilt, and he wanted to find the God of mercy. That was a good question for 500 years ago. But you know what? That's not a, that, that question doesn't cut ice right now. Why? Well, because nobody feels guilty for much, do they? And the church has been whacked at so much that you just keep your legalism to yourself. Nobody finds anything. So saying God is full of grace doesn't matter because they don't feel bad about anything. What does cut ice in 2020? Love your enemies. Love your enemies. How can I find God on my enemies? Because you know it and I know it. This age is an age of anger and hate. We are not a civil people. We are not a kind people. We are not a hopeful people. We're, we are an angry people. Even church folks. We protest each other. We get offended at one another. We shout at one another. We, we divide up into tribes watching CNN or Fox News. We wear reds and blues. We, we protest one another. We, we throw hate speech at one another. We, we make death threats to those who disagree with us. That's where we are in this country. We're fearful of... Of, of just about everything. We're, you know, we're, we're all kinds of stuff. And to this time, to this day, to this age, church, the, the words of Jesus cut like a clarion call across the landscape of this country. Your anger will destroy you. Unforgiveness will consume you like a trash heap fire because trash is what you're choosing to be. Your grudges that you are holding against church folk or non-church folk, your anger against people who aren't like you, those that you revile, those you gossip against, those that you hate, and I'm speaking to myself, those that I mistrust will eat away at our humanity like acid. It eats away like acid. And so let me, let me say, you, you all know this. Humanity needs help. That's why Jesus is. That's why the church is in existence. So, if Christians don't point the way to a better future, then who's going to? 
if we don't point the way to a better future, then we are useless. God, the face of God will be found in those we hate. And I mean that seriously. You love God as much as you love the person you love the least. That's a mouthful, but it's, it, it makes sense. You know that person you hate? If you hate somebody or you, you dislike somebody, that's how great you love God. Because that person is a child of God, created in the image of God, loved by God. I mean, Jesus said, don't even call them names. Don't say, you fool. Don't say, empty-headed. Don't be angry at them. How many times do we curse people out like that? Church, I, I tell you, the face of God will be seen in those you hate. And if you choose not to look into the face of those you hate, you will not see God. And neither will I. And this whole thing will just be a, a parade of religious nonsense. And when we stand before Him, we'll say, hey, God, we were real religious. And He'll say, yeah, I know. See you later. That's pathetic. Speaking for God's kind of hard. Maybe I shouldn't do that, but but the face of God will be seen in those we hate. And we all need to hear that. So in conclusion here, what can we do to heal the hatred in the world? And you with devices can type away and those of you without just let me know what do you think listen that's a good one go ahead I can say that I will have to clear up my hatred first good Okay, heal your own hatred so that you can go out with love and, and listen and hear. Good, very good. Someone else want to say out? We've, we've got show compassion, empathy, learn, smile, pray, pause, be brave, listen, forgive. Oh, go ahead, Maddie. Say it again. Help people who've been abused, certainly so. That would heal some hatred, wouldn't it? I like this one that says, be brave. Because letting go of the trash in our lives requires bravery. We, we find peace, not peace. We find an anchor in that hatred sometimes. And grabbing onto God and forgiveness and letting go of all of that really helps. It, but it's got to be bravery that gets us there. So, church, this day, you know what to do. Let us start this day in going forward. That. Amen.